So Isaiah chapter 57, and that's verse 15, and then over into Matthew uh, chapter 15, and we'll read there um, from verse uh, 29. Amen. Let's pray together as we turn to God's word. Father, we just ask tonight for your help, for your blessing upon your word. We pray, Lord, give us ears to hear tonight, hearts that are open and tender. We pray above everything that your name would be lifted up and glorified in this place. Lord, would you save souls in this house tonight? Lord, would you deliver those that are in bondage? Lord, would you open the blinded eye? Lord, we pray, would you heal the sickened body? Lord, would you bring peace to the troubled hearts and minds? Lord, we thank you tonight that you're more than able. We thank you, Lord, that you are a wonderful Savior. Lord, we thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, forevermore. You haven't changed. So, Lord, tonight, Lord, we just commit it all to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15 says, For thus saith the High and the Lofty One that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy, I dwell in the High and the Holy Place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, that means a crushed or a broken spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And just over into Matthew chapter 15, following the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, his earthly ministry, his wonderful earthly ministry in Matthew chapter 15, verse 29. We read Matthew 15 and 29. Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat there. Verse 30 says, And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others. And they cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, the blind to see, and they glorified the God Amen. of Israel. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ is the same yes. yesterday, Amen. today, and forevermore. He's the same Savior Amen. in this place tonight by the Holy Spirit. In this house, he is the same wonderful Savior to move in his glorious power in this day. In Isaiah chapter 57, we have been looking at it over the past number of weeks. We see God's two dwelling places that God dwells in the high and in the lofty place. And he also dwells in a place where there are people that are broken and crushed. It's nearly beyond our comprehension to grasp the magnitude of this almighty God, that he dwells in the high and the lofty place. He inhabiteth eternity. That simply means that everything in this whole universe is contained within the almighty God that we serve. And yet we see another place that the Lord Jesus Christ comes to, this great, this awesome, this almighty God. He comes to a place where people are in great need, where people are crushed, where people are broken. This place God is attracted to, the broken and the maimed and the hurt and the crushed those that are in our world today and many of us in this room have been crushed and broken by sin and waywardness. But we thank God for the day and the hour that he heard our cry and he came to where we were and he stooped down into our horrible pits of sin and he lifted us up by his great saving power and he's delivered us 
from the power of sin and set us wonderfully free in the name of the Lord. We give the Lord all the glory tonight. Here Christ is sitting on the edge of a, on the side of a hill and we see this wonderful picture presented to us in Matthew's gospel. Here is the almighty God in the flesh. Here is the God that Isaiah is speaking of as he gathers himself and sits on a mountainside. And now I want you to picture, if you could, the reality, the account as Matthew begins to explain to us the gathering of people round the Almighty's feet. This is the Almighty God. And here he is wrapped in flesh in this world. And now we see as people begin to gather, it says, great multitudes came. These were not the religious of the day because religion cannot save you. Being a Protestant cannot save you. Being a Catholic cannot save you. Being a Muslim cannot save you. Being a Hindu cannot save you. Being an atheist cannot save you. But the Lord Jesus Christ is able to save. He saves sinners. He hasn't come for the righteous. That's those that are trusting in their own good living, their own good works, their own religious deeds. But he's come for people that are broken, that are in need, that are crushed by the weight of sin. And their lives are destroyed by the powers of darkness that turn to a wonderful Savior. And he comes to save and to set free. Here, look at the picture that is presented to us in Matthew's gospel. It tells us great multitudes, great multitudes came unto him. And they brought with them those that were lame. Those that were blind, those that were dumb, those that were maimed, and many others. And they simply knew that if they could bring these people and cast them at the feet of Jesus, that the power of this great and almighty God would wonderfully and wonderfully make them whole and set them free. Everyone that was cast at his feet, he healed in his name. What a wonderful Savior. This is the God that comes he comes to the needy place. And I want you to grasp that tonight because this is crucial to this message. You know, the Bible says that God will resist the pride. But here is the wonderful truth. We have sung about this amazing grace. But he gives grace, the Bible says, to the humble. You know, a proud man will never be saved. It's impossible. A man that's filled with pride, that does not need God, that does not want God, that man can never experience the wonderful power of the new birth. But a man that opens the door of his heart and cries out, God, would you have mercy on me? Even if we'd have never been brought up in the things of God or know anything about the Bible. But in the midst of it, we've heard so many testimonies of men and women that in the midst of the darkest of night in the prison in their mind, they simply cry out, if there is a God, God, would you come and would you save me? And you know the miracle of it? The almighty God of eternity comes in all his power and reaches down into that heart and brings the revelation of Jesus Christ, the wonderful Savior. And this hasn't changed. Men that don't need him, men that are proud in heart, men that turn and shun God, those are men that God can never reach into. But by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, when a heart is touched by the Spirit of the living God, when a heart is softened by the power of his great love and his grace, 
Then at that moment when men see their awful need, their great need of a Savior, suddenly eyes are opened and Christ in all his glory enters into that room and lifts that poor sinner from the dung heap and from the marry clay and sets them wonderfully free. What a wonderful Savior. He meets us at the point of our need. We read of William Booth that he was saved at a young age. He was born in poverty and he lived a life in poverty. But he grasped this wonderful truth that the miracles of God always happen in the low place, in the gutters, in the place where people are greatly in need. He had a motto for his life and for his ministry. And that motto was this, go for souls and go for the worst. Go for souls and go for the worst. And brothers and sisters, the life of William and Captain and uh, William and Catherine Booth, the founders of the Salvation Army, was a ministry that went to the gutters and went to the dens of iniquity in London and seen the wonderful, miraculous power of the Lord Jesus Christ in the salvation of souls. You know, the day in which we're living, it's a day that we need to go for souls, brothers and sisters, and we need to go for the worst. We need to go for the worst. This God has always desired to manifest himself and to commune with you. Listen, it's the heart of God tonight that God would desire to come down and reveal himself to you. God wants to meet with you. God wants to commune with you. We read this right from the beginning and right the whole way through this book. It is God's desire to meet with his people. In Genesis chapter 3, if you have your Bibles and verse 8, just after man had fallen and disobeyed God and took of that tree that was in the garden, immediately after that, the next verse in Genesis 3 and verse 8, we read this account of the Lord. It says that they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? Here we see right here the very heart of God. His desire is to meet with his creation. Adam and Eve had disobeyed God. They'd taken of the garden of the, of the forbidden fruit. They'd plunged mankind into sin. Everyone that is born, we're all sinners born in sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And we read right here that God's desire was to fellowship with mankind. He came in the garden and he was looking for Adam. He desired fellowship. This is the very essence of God. He wants to meet with you and with I. He came right into that garden. They heard the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the day and they hid themselves from God and God began to call out Adam by name. He wanted to meet with his people. Can I tell you tonight, every person in this room, every human that's come through this door tonight, that God wants to meet with you, that God wants to have an encounter, wants to fellowship with you. Throughout this Old Testament, you'll find appearances of God, where God appears, where Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, would come and he would appear in some form, whether it be of an angel 
or otherwise. But we read of these in the Bible. It tells us of these, for example, in Genesis chapter 18. If you turn just to that opening few verses there, we read of these appearances of God in a theological sense. They're called theophanies or the appearance of God or Christophanies when Christ would appear in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 1, it tells us there that the Lord appeared unto Abraham in the plains of Mamre and he sat as he sat in the door tent in the heat of the day. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and he bowed himself toward the ground. And he said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Here we find right throughout the Old Testament that God's desire is to come down and to meet with his creation, he wanted to come. Here is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ appearing to Abraham. We find it again if you turn over into Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, a well-known scripture. But here we find a man called Jacob. And Jacob is wrestling. He is wrestling with an angel. It says in Genesis 32 and 24 that Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him under the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of, of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. And he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Here we see the pre-incarnate Christ appearing to his creation. Jacob would wrestle because he desired the blessing of the Lord. When you move over in the Judges chapter 6, we see Gideon, this younger man, Gideon, that was threshing wheat by the winepress. But in Judges 6 and verse 11, this is what it says. Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And then suddenly, just at that time, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, Gideon, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. We see here through the scripture that God would constantly desire to appear and reveal himself to his creation. We read the great story in Daniel chapter 3. If you turn over to it, just one more. In Daniel chapter 3, we read here of three young men that were willing to make a stand in the day of apostasy and in the day of darkness when they were in Babylonian captivity. And here's three young men that desired to make a stand for God. And listen, brothers and sisters, right here we see again God appearing in the midst of all of that because people would stand up for their, what was right. And three Hebrew men in Daniel 3 and 25, as they were thrown into that fire and as they made their stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, here is the words of the servant of the king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And this is what it says. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Every time we see here, it is the desire of God to come and to meet with his creation. It's the desire of God to meet with us. And if there's a need 
Because God responds to need. He responds to people who see their need. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 41 and 17, when the poor and the needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, this is what the Bible says, I the Lord, I will hear them. I the God of Israel will not forsake them. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. If there's a need, if there's a need in our hearts, a need in our lives, if there's a need in the church, if there's a need this night as we sit under the sound of the word of God, if there's a heart that's crying out and says, God, I need you. I need you to respond to the great cry of this heart. This is a God that responds to the cry of his people. In Psalm 72 and verse 12, this is what he says, For he shall deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him that hath no helper. He shall spare the poor and the needy. He shall save the souls of the needy. Brothers and sisters and sinner friend in this house, if you're here in this room tonight and you've come through these doors, and in your heart there's a cry in your heart, I need God. I need to have an encounter with a living God. If your life is broken and crushed by sin and by whatever means of sin that is, if you're in a place that you're at the very edge and you're very at the very edge of life and the experience of what you've encountered. And you're crushed and you're broken. And in all sincerity, in the depths of your heart tonight, you're saying, I need to meet with God. We have a God that responds to the cry of the poor man. We have a God that responds to people that say, God, would you save me from my enemies? Would you deliver me from my sin? We have a God whose arm is not too short, that it cannot reach in to our darkened prison and set the prisoner wonderfully free. We have a God that breaks the chains. We've sang about these songs tonight. We have a God that lifts the drunkard and the drug addict and the prostitute and the paramilitary and those that are self-righteous out of the depths of sin and wonderfully sets them free free because there's a need in their lives. They cry out in the hour of their need. The Bible says that the poor man cried and the Lord heard him and the Lord delivered him from all his troubles. It's the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This God responds to the cry of his people. He responds when men cry out, God forgive me of my sin. Lord I'm finished. Lord, I've nowhere else to turn. My back's against the wall. I don't know who to turn to. But is there a God in heaven that cares? And I'm here to tell you tonight, His name is Jesus. And He's able to save. When the poor man cries, no one has never, there has no one ever been saved without a cry from the heart that says, God, would you save me? Would you save me? There has to be a cry, friends. This is more than a hand up in a meeting. This is more than simply making a decision. There has to be a decision. But more than just saying a prayer. It's a cry from the depth of a heart that says, God, God, are you real? Are you there? Do you hear me? I need you. And there's a God in heaven that responds. And his name is Jesus.
is Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And his name is Jesus Christ. What an awesome God. But in all these demonstrations and appearances of Christ in the Old Testament, the greatest appearance that God shows that he cares for this world. Stephen Jeffries, a great revivalist who died in the midst of the Second World War, in 1943, that's going back a few years, his last message, he preached in John chapter 1, verse 1. I was reading just about it over this afternoon. And he read from that great chapter, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word dwelt among us, the Word became flesh. And then he said this statement, and I want to just read this statement, it was Stephen Jeffries said it. He said, on great occasions, kings put on their finest apparel, but God wrapped himself in dust when he came into this world. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. But when God came into this world, he wrapped himself in dust. He was born in a manger, born of a virgin called Mary, of a virgin called Mary, born in a lowly manger, a filthy stable, this is the Almighty, the high and the lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. And there he's born in a filthy manger. In Bethlehem, wrapped himself in dust. You know, remember tonight that we're all but dust. You remember tonight we'll all go the same way. You remember tonight it is appointed on the man wants to die, and after this is the judgment. You remember tonight that we are Outwardly perishing if you're saved, the inward man is being renewed, but we are but the dust of the earth. And God breathed in the Adam and he became a living soul. And through the fall of Adam, we were all plunged into the depths of darkness. And God Almighty wrapped himself in dust. He became a man. He humbled himself. He left the splendor of heaven and glory and came in to this sin-sick world. And he lived as a man, but he was absolutely sinless. He was perfect. He had nowhere to lay his head. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born with the great grandeur of the kings of the day and the great religious men and might of the hour. But he, he was wrapped in dust. And he was anointed of the Holy Ghost. And he went around doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He set the prisoner free. We've read it tonight in God's eternal living word. And yet, friend, the demonstration of God's desire to have fellowship with you and to me was when Jesus Christ gave himself and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When he left Jerusalem with a cross on his back and as he headed up the hill called Golgotha and as those Roman soldiers had had their way with them and they'd beaten them and they'd scorned them and they'd whipped them and they led them out upon the cross. He willingly gave his life. He was kneeled to the cross. He was lifted up to die and he cried, it is finished. And it was there to make a way that God could reach down in to the human heart, the mine and the yours and to save us from our sin and to have fellowship with him. What a saviour. What a saviour. You know, we look in this day for many things and we search in many areas to get an answer for our lives. The empty, the longing, the desire. 
Can I tell you, friend, there's one answer for every life, and his name is Jesus Christ. To see a true move of the Spirit of the Lord, to see a true revival, to see true revival power, do you know where you'll find it? You'll find it in the low place. It says it's there that there are the contrite ones and those that are humble. There is revival power manifested to lift them out of the depths of sin, to lift them out of the depths of despair, to lift them from their weary, broken lives, the ravishes of sin. You know, the devil comes but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. That's revival power, the life of God. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things have been handmade. And those things have been, saith the Lord. But I'm looking to this man, even to him. That is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembles at my word. You know, it says of Stephen Jeffries, I was just reading today. It says that his life used mightily in revival, saved a coal miner from Wales, saved in the back end of the Welsh revival. And really God began to use him for seven or eight years. He continued working down the mines as he preached in open hours, and then he would share and testify with those miners right up into the beyond the First World War and into the 20s and 30s. Then one day God just his hand began to move mightily upon this man, Stephen Jeffries. His desire to see souls saved, his desire to see people won for Christ. He started to go out. You see, if I could challenge those that are saved tonight, brothers and sisters, we're in the last days. And this is not the day to be comfortable in church, but it's the day to go out into the highways and the byways and to compel men and women to come in. Stephen Jeffries had a heart to go out to win the lost. His passion was the glory of Christ. That was his passion. And he was a heavy preacher. He preached heaven. I know it's not popular today. Well, heaven is. But he preached heaven and he preached hell and he preached the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he preached that a man will stand before the judgment seat of Almighty God and give an account. And God's hand began to move upon him in a mighty way. Souls began to get saved. And his wife Elizabeth went to hear him preach one day after many years. She would then just sat at the back. He'd gone to a wee church. There was nine people there. Within about a week, there was 300 began to cram in. Souls started to get saved. God's hand began to move in a mighty way. Elizabeth sat at the back before he left. Before he left the platform, women normally pick up things quicker than men. Is that true? Ladies can say amen to that. But before he left the church, he had already gone home, got the hold of his minor clothes, and given them away to his friend. He said he'll not be needing them anymore. And God called this man into full-time ministry. Before he knew it, she had already made the decision. Then God began to use that life. As he went out into the highways and the byways, the miracles that God began to do, the healings, the deliverances, and people getting saved. Why? Because he went out to the low place. He went after souls, and he went after the worst. I want to tell you, if we want to see real miracles in these days, it's time we went down to the gutters. It's time we went into the shippings. It's time we went after people that this world has no time for. 
It's time we went after the drug addict and the prostitutes. It's time we went beyond the four walls of a church. I know we were blessed in this nation. That Sunday night was the gospel night across the land many years ago. And every church practically preached the gospel on a Sunday night. And people were saved. And you could go to any denomination hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ preached. People came. People were interested. But brothers and sisters, as I mentioned this, this morning, listen. There was a reverence for the things of God a generation ago. And then that moved to an apathy to the things of God that people weren't interested in. They said, you do your thing, we'll do our thing. But let me tell you, it hasn't ended there. Now it's moved into a day where people are hostile against the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can either lock the doors and say everything's fine and we'll just have church. Or it's a day, brothers and sisters, that truly... We begin to get on our knees again and cry out to God and go into the highways and the byways and go after the worst because God's interested in saving the worst. We have an answer to it all. We have an answer to the homosexual. We have an answer to the drug addict. We have an answer. No, the answer is not being religious. The answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of the gospel. It's the born again experience. It's a miracle when God comes down into the heart of a man or a woman and by the power of the new birth, the revival power of God, we're born again of the Spirit of God. The Bible says if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. It's a miracle. And that's when men cry out, God, would you save me? We need again to see this revival power and the move of the Spirit of God and saving power to deliver men and women. But here's where it's at. It's where there's humility. It's where there's brokenness. It's where people are crushed. That's where the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ works. <coughs> he gives grace to the humble. Well, I don't need this. I'm respectable. I have my revelation of what this is all about. I thank God, friends, when poor men cry out, God hears them and God saves them. God comes down to the low. You know, we just finished this morning with this thought that the church has become the high and lofty place rather than God. But the church has to become a place that carries this gospel, the love of Christ for a broken world, to see souls saved and delivered with the power of the gospel. Is there someone here tonight that has wandered through the doors and you're not saved? Well, that's an old-fashioned word. That's a word that's right up to date. You're here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own and personal Savior. Perhaps you've been brought up in church. Can I tell you, you can live your whole life going to church and still not be saved. Never come to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be here tonight and you've never darkened the door of a church, maybe before or maybe once or twice. But you've come into this house and in your heart you're saying, God, if you're there, I really need to meet with you. I've got great news for you tonight. He really wants to meet with you. He wants to respond to the cry <laughs> of your heart. Because he's a God that responds to the needy. The needy. The Bible says the poor, the poor in spirit, they heard him gladly. The religious rejected him. 
And that's where we find the broken, the maimed, and the lame gathered round his feet, and he healed every one of them. What a saviour. He hasn't changed. You're here tonight, friend. You really need to meet with the Lord. You can speak to us afterwards. Talk to us before you leave here tonight. We'll be glad to point you to this wonderful saviour. He is, he is a wonderful saviour. He is a wonderful saviour. If you're saved, would you say amen? amen? It's good to be saved, isn't it? When he responds to the cry of a heart and he comes, the great and the almighty, he came to me. Hard to take it in. It'd be harder for you to take it in, but he did. And he saved and he delivered. Can I tell you even better than that? He's kept. We're kept by his great power. What a savior. Let's pray together. Thank you. Lord.